He's doing some amazing things. And I think like many of us, he's got to be wondering, even though he's doing amazing things, is he doing the right thing? And maybe that's what's in his mind when he asks his disciples, who do people say that I am? Part of Jesus' culture makes it important to know what others think about you. In a collectivist culture, you get an idea of who you are by what other people are saying about you. So Jesus maybe wants to make sure he's doing what he said he would do. If people mistook who he was, then maybe that would be a clue whether he was doing the right thing or not. And that seems kind of strange for us, but we understand it. Today is the first Sunday of the NFL season. I'll keep my football allegiances to myself right now. But we hear it all the time. You have these commentators who are talking about an athlete, football or not. And they say, oh, this athlete reminds us of a young so-and-so. If it's a quarterback, oh, this athlete reminds me of a young Joe Montana or a young Randall Cunningham. Oh, that lineman reminds me of a young Reggie White. Oh, that running back reminds me of a young Herschel Walker. Am I, am I telling you anything about? Okay. So it makes a little sense if they see something in you that reminds them of somebody else. That's a good thing. We were in church after church once and somebody said, Pastor John, um, half jokingly, I think uh, what you said reminded me of somebody I heard on TV once. I thought, that's right. Which one? Go on. Tell me. Yeah, I think Mr. Rogers said the same thing you did once. Whatever. But if they're saying you remind them of somebody great, what might that be saying about what you're doing now? So the people, the disciples say, tell Jesus that the people are saying you're John the Baptist. You're Elijah or you're one of the prophets. So what does that say about the things Jesus was doing? Pretty good stuff. And I kind of wonder if Jesus says, "Okay, yeah. That's fine. That's okay. That sounds good. But those people don't really know me. You all know me. You've walked with me. You've heard me. Who do you say that I am? Peter speaks for the, the rest of the disciples and he says, you're the Messiah. You're the anointed one. Remember, Peter and the other disciples don't know that about Jesus at first. When he first tells them, come follow me, that he's just another teacher to them. But because of what they've seen him do, because of what they've heard him teach, because of the things that he has been able to do, Peter is confident when he can say, I know exactly who you are. You are the Messiah. What does that say about the things that Jesus had been doing? Pretty good stuff. 
And I think sometimes we look at this scene and it feels like a sort of like a, a warm, fuzzy scene from one of those inspirational movies, you know, where Jesus has just given the disciples to, to speak up for their faith. And now they can go out and win the big game or do something great. But friends, to me, as I read this, this is less of a scene from facing the giants and more like one of those actually darker scenes from a movie like The Dark Knight. Batman begins because there's a struggle Going on because here's what happens. Who do you say that I am? Peter says you are the Messiah. And what does Jesus do next? Mark says he sternly orders them not to tell anyone. Actually, the text says he rebukes them. There's nothing warm and fuzzy right now. Remember in school when the teacher just had enough of you? And the whole class, boy, and they'd let you have it. And they'd go on a 10-minute spiel about how bad you've been acting up and how much you're, you're making them mad. And they're going to write a letter to your parent. Oh, it's never happened to you. It's just me, right? But they're going to go on and on and on. And then finally say, now take out your book so we can continue our lesson. It's kind of what Jesus does. He rebukes them, tells them not to tell anybody and then he begins to teach them. He begins to teach them very specific to his ministry, something that we are sure they know nothing about. He begins to teach them that he will be handed over. The chief priests and the Pharisees, the scribes, all those people are going to take his life. They're going to make him suffer. They're going to kill him. In three days, he'll rise again. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm with my teacher, I'm with the guy I think is the Messiah, I kind of want to know that information. I kind of know, I would kind of want to know what's in store for what we're about to do. And so as Jesus teaches them what is to come of his life, you got to imagine that some people are getting a little uncomfortable Some people are starting to get a little irritated by what they're hearing. Some people are feeling like, wait a minute, this isn't right for me. I mean, it's going to happen to you, Jesus, but it's not right for me. Me church has been around forever, right? And and how do we know that? Well, Peter then takes a cue from Jesus. Jesus rebuked the disciples first. Peter hears what Jesus is teaching. He stands up and he rebukes Jesus. Jesus. Now, I don't know exactly what Peter said. We're not told, but I kind of wonder if in the back of Peter's mind, as he's listening to this, this, this stuff from Jesus, that he's going back to the first day he met Jesus. You remember the story. Jesus is walking along the sea. He sees a couple of fishermen. He says, hey, follow me. They drop their nets. And what do they do? He tells them, I will make you fishers of men. And I kind of wonder if when when Peter and the other disciples, they hear, I'll make you fishers of men, that part of what they hear is, you know what, now I can do something great with my life, something better with my life. And now here I am, standing in front of Jesus, listening to him tell me that that's not right. Jesus, what's wrong with you? You can't say these kind of things. You can't be in the right mind. That's not what a Messiah is. That's not what a Messiah does. 
And it's in response that Peter's, to Peter's rebuke that Jesus offers up one other rebuke. See, up until this point in Mark, Jesus has rebuked things. In a few earlier chapters, he's rebuked spirits, unclean spirits. He's rebuked the wind of the storms that was threatening the lives of the disciples. And now... He's rebuking his own disciples. Now, we have to ask ourselves the question, why? Why would he feel so strongly about it? And part of what I think we can see is that Peter and maybe some of the other ones, they weren't thinking about God as much as they used to. They were thinking about themselves. Peter rebukes Jesus. Jesus then rebukes Peter. And you know those words. Get behind me, Satan. For you have your mind not on divine things, but on human things. I wonder if Peter finally realized or began to get an inclination that maybe this Jesus stuff isn't going to help me the way I thought it was. Isn't going to be as fun as I had hoped it would be. Because I've never heard Jesus say this stuff. I've never heard him go on like this. And I don't think I like it. And it's to that attitude. It's to that spirit That Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. Understand how how powerful that is. You remember Mary and Martha? Jesus went to go visit and and, uh, Martha was in the kitchen getting everything ready. She was all mad at at Mary because Mary was just there at the table relaxing with Jesus. And you remember what, what Martha told Jesus? Tell her something. She's not helping me. And Jesus very kindly, I think, very uh, compassionately says, don't be mad at her. She's got her mind on what's important. Very nice. But Jesus isn't being very nice right now when he says, get behind me, Satan. I wonder if Peter's preoccupation with me has Jesus wondering if he's doing things right. If Jesus were to listen to Peter, sisters and brothers, you and I wouldn't be here today. If Jesus were to listen to the the things that were important to Peter, we wouldn't know how great God is. We wouldn't be able to sing how great God is. We wouldn't be able to talk about the way God has worked in our lives because Peter had it in his spirit that what was important to him was more important than what was important to God. Are y'all with me? Now, here's the thing. All of us, every single one of us sitting in these pews this morning, you look all comfortable, all pretty dressed up. Every one of us have thought more about human things than divine things. We have. But thanks be to God. As someone once said to me, we don't serve 
We serve a Lord who says, get behind me. We don't serve a Lord that says, get away from me. You see, how do you know? You don't always know if you're doing the right thing and the wrong thing. You've got to ask yourself these questions. You've got to be willing to say, God, show me if I'm doing the right thing or not. And part of what God tells us that we can look at if we know who's first, you or me. As long as me is more important I got to wonder if Jesus would still use those words with us. Get behind me. Now, take it in one sense that it's a rebuke. It's a rebuke that we need to hear. Get behind me. When all you can do is think about me, when all you can do is think about what's important to you, get behind me because that is not what I'm here about. But also hear it this way. When you begin to realize that maybe, maybe me has become more important than God, God also says, get behind me. Follow me. Follow where I'm going. Follow what I'm doing. When you follow me, what you're going to see is I'm going to lay my life down. I'm going to make sure that I put the life of you, you, and everyone else in front of my own. And that if we want to learn how to follow him more faithfully, that's what we have to do as well. We have to be discontent with just wearing a cross and not carrying one. Y'all with me? Wearing it is easy. Carrying it, that's what we're called to do. We're called to take me out of the way so that God can lead. And sisters and brothers, Christ will show us what the right thing is. In Jesus' name. Amen.